this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today. We're beginning a brand new series today called The Comeback. And uh, before we kind of dive into that, uh, I just want you to look around real quick. Look around, look around, look around. If you notice, we're kind of running out of room here at church. Um, and uh, th- like, that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. That means you guys are excellent in inviting your friends, your family, your coworkers. Why don't you go ahead and give yourselves a hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. You guys are doing great. And because you guys have been so good at doing that, and uh, we, we just added our fifth service like three weeks ago, we're adding our sixth service starting in two weeks uh, at 1245 p.m. So, so some of you guys that are like, man, 1130 is just so early. Uh, maybe it's a late night. I don't know what it was. But we're, in two weeks... On the weekend of October 20th, we're going to have a 1245 service, and so I want to encourage you, come to that service, come hang out with us, it's going to be a great time. You never even know, maybe that first week there might even be some special things that happen, you won't know unless you show up, and so uh, you just have to wait and see. And so I, I keep inviting people, you have invite cards there on your, on your seats, man, we, we, it's amazing to see what God is doing through you as you're inviting and telling people the story of, of what Coastal and Jesus has meant to your life. It's incredible. Also, second thing is, is this is in uh, March of 2020, we're going to be taking a tour to the Holy Land. Um, as, as if you're interested in being a part of that, Shayla and I are going to be hosting this trip. Uh, we, we've got like eight spots left on this trip. We announced it last weekend. Spots are filling up. There's a couple spots that are left. If you're interested in going and walking and seeing where Jesus walked and where he taught and really seeing the Bible come alive in context, I would love to invite you to stay right in here after service. Shayla's going to be doing a little bit of an informational meeting. If you want to find out some more information about that, we'd love for you to join us on this tour of Israel in March of 2020. But today, everybody say today. Today, today we're going to be talking about a comeback. And uh, here's what I know is, is um, you're not too far gone. You've not been knocked down too many times. You've not been to a place where I don't believe that God can still do a comeback in your life. And, and here's what I know is everybody loves a good comeback story, don't they? Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a great comeback story unless it involves Tom Brady. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody likes it if, if Tom Brady has the comeback. Uh, but comeback stories are just like, it's something that engages us. It's something that we're all drawn towards. And there have been some incredible comeback stories Throughout the history of time, uh, a, a great comeback story is the story of Abraham Lincoln. Do you know that Abraham Lincoln was defeated eight different times as he ran for local government, uh, Senate, and House? He was defeated. In fact, he went bankrupt at one point. He lost multiple businesses. But eventually, his comeback enabled him to become the 16th president, eradicate slavery from the United States of America. One of the most incredible comeback stories ever, Abraham Lincoln. How about this one? Robert Downey Jr., some ladies are like, hey, it's like spiritual experience just happened right there. And, uh, but I don't know if you know this or not, but in the early beginning of his acting career, he became a drug addict. He ended up in rehab. He ended up being so addicted to drugs, he ended up in jail. He spent a couple years in prison. He had a comeback, though. He is one of the highest paid grossing actors in all of Hollywood today, in fact, uh, and is sober today. God has done an amazing thing in his life that he's been able to come back from that. Uh, We love sports comebacks. How about like Bethany Hamilton, surfer who as a teenager lost her arm in a shark attack, 
never thought she would surf again, has come back and won world championships. Incredible comeback story. The ultimate sports comeback story. My favorite of all time, Rudy, 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 Rudy. Yeah, some of y'all, if you don't know anything about Rudy, you're missing out. I'm telling you, go home, rent Rudy, buy Rudy, do something with Rudy. It will change your life. It's about Notre Dame. The God is there. It's touchdown Jesus. I'm just telling you. Um, there's other great sports comeback stories like Seabiscuit. No, nobody likes Seabiscuit, huh? I, in the last service, somebody said, that's not a sport. And, and I'm like, no, they actually call this a sport. I know it's surprising, but it is a sport. Seabiscuit, he's one of the longest odds, and he ended up being the most celebrated, decorated horse in history. Came back from some, some, some traumatic things. Uh, I don't know emotionally, but, you know, physically. <laughs> can't really speak horse. Uh, how about the ultimate comeback story? Rocky. Hey, Rocky. 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 How about Rocky 2? How about Rocky 3? Rocky 4 beat Drago? Rocky 5? We don't even know what that one was about. <laughs> but it's the comeback story, right? We, we love the comeback story. And we can debate the historical evidence of the Italian stallion. But we love comebacks. And every comeback has the same storyline, doesn't it? You have the main character who who gets knocked down, who gets to this place where they're desperate in life, and they end up getting back up, and they end up prevailing. And we know the comeback formula for every comeback story. In order to have a, a comeback, you first have to have a setback, right? Yeah. 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 And here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me, is every single one of us has experienced a setback in life. We have all had some setback moments that have hit us, that have overwhelmed us. In fact, the, every single one of us has experienced those times where we've laid in bed at night staring at the ceiling wondering, is this season ever going to end? Is there ever going to be any hope outside of this little glimmer that I have right now? Is, is this ever going to get better? And we lay awake at night, and sometimes the setbacks that happen in our life actually have nothing to do with us. It's circumstances that are beyond our control that cause the setback to happen in our life. Other times, the setbacks that happen in our life are, are because of other people's decisions that, that impacted us and set us back. And then some setbacks happen because of dumb decisions we make. Nobody really likes that one. But when we get set back because of decisions we make, we got to own those moments. we got to take responsibility for the setbacks that we, we create. But I know that every single one of us has experienced setbacks. In fact, this year I experienced the greatest setback of my life. It happened on April 26th. It was a Friday of 2019. And it's a day that I, I will never forget. It's a day that I had the realization that the judge's order, we, had, we were foster parents to a baby boy named Alexander that we had had since birth. And uh, he, was, he was our son. He wasn't our foster child. He was our son. We raised him like our son. We loved him like our son. I still call him my son today. But that was the day that I realized that the court system was going to reunite him with his biological father. And I had a literal breakdown. In fact, I lost control so much. I'm not a crier. I don't believe in crying. I think it's from the devil. Um, <laughs> 
I was crying so uncontrollably. I, I, I didn't even know what to do with myself. So the only thing I needed to do was call somebody for help. And when I called my pastor and he couldn't understand a word that I was saying, he knew that I was in trouble. And I was scheduled to speak that weekend. And he said, hey, you're, you're not going to speak. And, and for the next 10 weeks, I was actually removed as the pastor of this church. And during that time, I got to this deep, dark place. I mean, I was knocked down so far down, I didn't see any hope of getting back up. In fact, I remember at one point, we were, we were, Shayla and I were on a walk around our neighborhood, and I said to her, I, I don't think I'm probably going to go back and pastor Coastal. Like, I had lost drive. I'd lost myself. I'd lost all my confidence. I didn't think I'd ever stand back up on a stage and talk again. I was broken. And I realized that my setback might not be the same setback that you're experiencing, but all of us have experienced some setbacks. And maybe today, your setback is the fact that your marriage is a mess and you're looking at it and you're going, man, I, I, I married this person, but I don't even know this person. How is this ever going to come back together? And you're just broken right now. For others of you, maybe it's your child that you raised in a certain way and they're going off and they're going crazy and you're going, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to get this child back and how are they ever going to be a part of this family again? And, and it, it, it set you back as a family. Maybe for others of you, it's, it's a career thing. You thought you were going to be here and you've actually gotten demoted instead of promoted. And you're going, how in the world am I ever going to achieve my dreams? Maybe for others of you, you thought life was going to look like this, but it looks completely different. And you feel like there is no hope for your future. Maybe for some of you, you just moved to this community and you're going, man, I've, I, my setback is I've got to start all over again with relationships and people and church. And, and I, I don't even know where to begin. Maybe for others of you, it's financial. You're, you've got so much debt. You've got student loans, and you've got a house payment, and you've got a car payment, and you've got credit card debt, and you're not up to your eyeballs in debt. You're drowning in it. And you're wondering, how am I ever going to come back from this pit of debt that I'm in? And then for others of you, you've got more money in the bank than you've ever had. You, you feel like you could do anything in the world, but yet you are so purposeless right now in life. And you're like, man, I, I thought that I would have everything that I want right now, and something is missing from my life and its purpose. For others of you, you have some anxiety that started off as like an inconvenience. But today, it's become debilitating. And it set you back and you're wondering, how am I even going to make it through the rest of today, let alone tomorrow? Then some of you, you just listen to that list and you're like, I walked in here and I didn't have any anxiety, but now i got a whole bunch, Pastor DJ. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. thought this was going to be a place where you're going to speak hope and life to me and uh, like I'm a little depressed. Listen, hope and life is going to come. But I think that we've got to get honest with ourselves about our setbacks in life. 
Because we are so good at pretending today. Like we are the ultimate society of fakers out there. Oh, I'm going to fake it till I make it. So somebody will walk up to you, how are you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. And your day sucks. <laughs> Here's what I know. And I actually put it in your notes. That denial that you're living in, that denial delays the thing that God wants to do in your life. That denial of your situation, that denial of your reality, that denial of your pain, that denial of your fear, that denial of your hurt, that denial of your setback right now is delaying the setup that God wants to do in your life so he can have a comeback come through your life. And until we get honest with ourselves and until we begin to get honest with God and other peoples and we put an ending to pretending, we're not going to see God turn our setbacks into setups that will eventually become our comebacks. And I believe that today through uh, a story of the guy named Gideon in Judges chapter 6, if you want to turn your Bibles there, I believe that God is going to speak to us today about how do we turn our setbacks into setups that will eventually lead to our comeback, because I believe that God has a comeback story for every single person in here today. And Gideon is in a situation that I believe many of us are in. Gideon is in a place where he has, uh, the Israelite people have been oppressed by this group of people called the Midianites. And it hasn't just been for a day, a week, a month. It's been actually seven years that they've been oppressed by the Midianites. And what's happened is every time a harvest of crops comes in, the Midianites come in and they steal it. Every time an animal gives birth, they come in and snatch that thing. Every time it seems like the Israelites are about to have a breakthrough, they get a beat down. And some of you know exactly what that's like because it seems like every time that you're about to have a breakthrough in your life, that you're about to come out of that setback, it seems like right when you're on the verge of coming back, like, man, bam, you get knocked right back down in the same place that you've been so many times. And some of you have just looked at life and said, hey, this is how it's going to be. And I believe that Gideon is in the same spot, and maybe you can relate to where he is. So Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared. No, it didn't. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So, so first of all, let me just stop right here. Here you see Gideon. He's in a wine press, uh, which would have been this huge wooden vat that they would have taken, thrown a bunch of grapes in, jumped in, smashed the grapes to create wine. And instead of creating wine in there, what is he doing? He is hiding. He has gotten and harvested some wheat, and he's in there. He's threshing it in the wine press, hiding from the Midianites, because he knows if the Midianites see that he's harvested some, they'll come and take it from him. And so what the reality is, is, is Gideon is in seeing his circumstances and going, hey, I don't want to face my reality, so I'm going to go hide from my reality. And I don't believe that Gideon is the only one that goes and hides from his reality. I believe a lot of us do the same thing. That we don't want to face the reality of what's going on today. And so what we do is we go, you know what, I'm going to surround myself in, in my own little bubble and I'm not going to face my reality. But here's what you need to know is that God sees you in the middle of that place. It says God appeared to him. Some of you feel like God has abandoned you in this moment, that God is not near. And I believe that God is coming to you today, and he's trying to show up in your life, and he's saying, hey, listen, listen, I've got something to say to you. I see you in your hurt. 
I see you in your pain. I see you in your fear. I see you in the moment that you're in right now. And I've got something to say to you. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So God shows up in this situation and he goes, hey, Gideon, mighty hero, I've got you. Some of you need to hear this today. God is showing up in your situation and he's trying to speak to you. The problem is, is a lot of us are responding to God the same way that, Midian, that, that Gideon does in this story. He goes, God, why? listen, I, I know you're trying to say something, but why is this happening to me? And where have you been? I thought that you were the deliverer of people. Why haven't you delivered me out of my situation? Why haven't you done this? And where have you been there? And we're so busy talking that we can't hear what God is trying to say. We're so busy complaining about our circumstances that we can't hear God's solution to our circumstances. We're so frustrated with how we thought life was going to turn out and it hasn't turned out that way. But yet God is trying to speak to us here today. He continues on and it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And I love this because God doesn't even recognize what Gideon said in the previous thing. He doesn't look at those things. He says, listen, you go. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. I've got a purpose, and I've got a plan for your life. In the middle of your setback, I still have purpose for you. Like, I see something in you that you don't see in you yourself. And, and, and I believe that God is saying the same thing to some of you today, that you've been set back so long. And as soon as God is saying, hey, I see something in you, and you're going, who, me? Do you know who I am? Like, I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the least of my tribe. I don't have it all together. I'm not married. I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills and abilities. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. See, but God doesn't look at you based on your pedigree or your performance. God speaks to you based on your potential. That he put within you. See, God isn't measuring your life based on your lowest moments, which many of you are facing right now. He speaks to you based on the highest calling that he put within you. He's trying to speak to some of you today. And if you would take a moment and shut down the noise and open up your ears to hear, I believe that God is going to start to speak to you about how you can take your setback and turn it into a setup that will eventually become your comeback. He's going to speak through the story of Gideon. And challenge some of us to change some ways that we've been acting in this season. It actually goes on in verse 25. It says, 
That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. What, what God is doing is giving Gideon some instructions about how do you turn your setback into a setup that becomes your comeback. And if you're taking notes today, what he's saying right here is he's saying, hey, listen, pull down the, your, your, the, your father's altar to Baal. What he's saying is he's saying you've got to start to pull down the wrong belief system that you've had. You're going to start to pull down the wrong thoughts and mentalities that you've acquired over your life that are false and not true. And what's happened for a lot of us is, is Gideon said, hey, I'm the weakest and I'm the least in my clan. Who told him that? He's been told that all of his life. For generations, people have been telling his family, you're never going to amount to anything. You're, never, you're worthless. You're stupid. You're not that qualified. And he has taken those things, and what he's done is he has exalted them to be his identity. And so many of us, that's exactly what's happened to us. Somebody has said something to us generationally. Our, our parents have spoken words over us that we've just said, that's just who I am. That's who I'm going to be. I'm the weakest. I'm the I'm the." least likely to succeed, and so that's who I'm in. And we've exalted those things, and God is saying to you today, don't let those false beliefs be your reality. It's time for you to start taking those things and pulling them down in your life. It's time for you to start changing some of those mentalities that you had. Yes, you failed in life, but that does not make you a failure. Yes, you lied that one time, but that does not make you a liar. Listen, I've got a different identity for you. Don't let the words of this world identify you. Only the author of life can identify you. And because I'm the author, I have authority to speak those things into you is what God would say to you today. And here's what God would say in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, since then we don't have the excuse of ignorance, so you can't blame this and I don't know anymore. He says everything, and I do mean everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Come on, say it with some authority. Everything. everything. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. Everything connected with the old way of life has to go. So listen, those thoughts, those mentalities, those failures, those inadequacies, that setback, all those thought processes, he's saying, they've got to go. Why? He says it's rotten through and through. And you know that's true because every time you, you marinate on those things, what does it do? It messes up your soul. It messes you up internally. Why? Because you weren't designed to live that way. He says, get rid of it. He says, then take on an entirely new way of life, of God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What he's saying is he's saying you got to remodel your interior before you change your exterior. So many of us, we're going, God, change my circumstances. Right? That's what our prayers rely on. God, fix my wife. God, get me out of debt. God, give me a promotion. All exterior. Here's the problem. If God supernaturally got you out of debt right now and didn't change your beliefs and how you spend money, you know where you'll be a year from now? Right back in debt. Like if God gave you that promotion right now without correcting your character... Do you know where you'd be a year from now? Fired. See, what God is saying is he's saying, listen, before I can do the change on the exterior, I need to change the interior. 
I need to change you from the inside. And as I change you from the inside, the result of that is the exterior that your world around you is going to begin to change. And so I got to do some remodeling. I got to tear down some interior things. I got to tear down some false beliefs. Then I got to build some new ones. That's why it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 26, it says, Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using fuel of the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. What he's saying is he's saying, hey, after the demolition of the wrong thoughts and the wrong belief system, here's what I need you to do is number two, I need you to start building some correct beliefs. So he says, like, build an altar to the Lord. Why? Because you built a lot of altars based on lies. Now you need to start building an altar based on truth. Yeah. You need to start building some things that are about the truth in your life. Instead of uh, adoring a false idol, what you need to start doing is you need to start inputting truth in your life. You need to start changing your outlook to the way that God sees you rather than how everybody else sees you. That's why he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not copy the customs and behaviors of this world. And so many of us, we're trying to copy everybody else because we want what they have instead of realizing that God's got something unique for each and every one of us. You're not called to be a copy. You're called to be a one of a kind. And so you're not supposed to look like me, talk like me, because I'm one of a kind. And I'm not called, yes, thank you, babe. And I'm not called to look like you. Why? Because you're one of a kind. But so many of us, what God is trying to do is he's saying, hey, but let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And as a pastor, you know what question I get more than any other question is, TJ, what, what's, what is God's will for my life? What is my purpose in life? This scripture right here tells us exactly how you can discover your purpose. You know how it begins? It begins by transformation. And here's the good news. You're halfway there to transformation. Because transformation takes place through two simple additions. Information, which is what you get here every Sunday... That's what I do is I give you information from this pulpit. I give you information about God. And information is amazing. But information without application never equals transformation. It's only information with application that begins to transform you in life. So it's great that you come here and listen. But if you don't do any of this, it doesn't matter, does it? See, that's the problem with churches. We're far more educated than we are obedience. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching good. Go, TJ, you're so, it's a good word right there. Every day you get in God's word, that's great information. But God isn't just giving you information so you can be informed. He's giving you information so that you can apply it to your life. Because when you take information and you start to apply it, it starts to transform you. And what God is saying is, is when it starts to do that, what it does is it changes the way you think. 
And as you continue to get information and apply it, and you do that consistently in your life, what it says is that he's going to change your mindset. So all of a sudden, you're going to know exactly what God's will is. Why? Because you know God's ways. Because you've been listening to his word that has been piercing your heart, that has been changing your outlook, that has been changing how you respond to things. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to see it's going to be really, really easy to differentiate between what is truth and what is false. What is right and what is wrong? What is God's will and what is my just ideas? Because it's transforming me from the inside out. That's why it's so important for you, and I beat this like a dead horse every single week. Don't call Pete on me, but you got to start getting in God's word. Like this is not an ancient book that has no relevance to your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's living and active in Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 12, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces and dividing the soul and spirit and joint marrow. You know what it does? It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. What it's saying is it's saying when you start reading God's word, what it's doing is it's going in and it's going, hey, that's a false belief. That's an old way of thinking. Let's pull that down and let me give you the truth of what I think about you. And what I say about you. And who I believe you are. And God wants to speak to you daily through his word. You're like, so many people are going, God, speak to me. Every single day right here. He's already spoken. And he's still speaking. We just have to listen. Can you hear? See, I've just learned you can't live a positive life with a negative mind. So you have to constantly be renewing your mind. I learned this a couple weeks ago at CrossFit. I, I, I love going to CrossFit. I was at my box. I was working out with the owner of, of the box that I go to. And we were doing a, a workout called an EMOM, which is every minute on the minute you do work. And then if you finish in time with that minute, you get a little bit of a break. And so we were in the middle of this workout. And uh, I got finished a little bit uh, ahead of time. And I looked over at the guy that owns my box as like, finished way ahead of me and I said this workout sucks and you'll never believe what he said back to me he looked at me and he said TJ we don't say that cuss word in this box can you believe a dude that attends our church cussed me out I was like I rebuke you and no I didn't say that in He said, get on the bar and pick it back up. And what he was doing in that moment is he's saying, hey, listen, that's a false belief that you've had. And we're going we're gonna to tear that down. We're going to build a correct belief right here. We do work in this box. And so we don't complain about a workout. We get in on the workout. And for some of you, there, there needs to be some pull downs and some build back ups in your life. And it's time for some of you to stop complaining about your situation and start listening to what God is trying to say so he can change your mindset to move you forward in your situation. And so he's saying, man, you got to pull down the false beliefs and build up the correct ones. And then number three, got to start moving forward. you got to start moving forward. In verse 27, it says, so Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. So he begins to take some action and be obedient to what God's saying. Then it says this, but he did it at night because he was afraid. 
of the other members of his father's household and of the people of the town. And so, so Gideon begins to move forward in the midst of his insecurity, in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his apprehension, in the midst of his uh, position where he has been knocked down. He goes, man, I'm going to start to do something. And here's what I know is if you don't start moving forward, if you change nothing, you know what changes? Nothing. And here's what I know. Some of you are going, but TJ, you don't know my situation. You don't know how much pain I'm in. You don't know how much fear I'm living with. You don't know how broken I am right now. Like, I don't even know where I would get the strength or the fortitude to even start moving forward. And I don't think Gideon was much different than probably you are here. But I think he grabbed hold of something that God said to him a little bit earlier in verse 14. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And so know know what Gideon did? His strength wasn't very strong. So he goes and does what God asks him to do in the middle of the night because he's scared of the results of his obedience. You know what it's saying to you? It's saying, hey, listen, in the midst of your fear, do it scared. Midst of your pain, do it hurting. In the midst of your doubt, do it wondering. God would say to you today, start moving. How? Go in the strength you have. And so many of us are waiting for the the right timing, the perfect situation, and all the ducks to line up in a row. And God is saying to you, listen, you have all the strength you need to start. But God, I need more strength. Well, the only way you get more strength is by using your current strength. Well, God, I, just, I would just want you to supernaturally just make me stronger. And he's like, okay, go in the strength you have. That's how I'm supernaturally going to make you stronger. Like, TJ, that doesn't make any sense. Here's what I know. is so many times I'm walking into situations that I know that require me to be a lot more than I am. There's so many times in life, uh, in fact, every single week and I walk up here, I believe that this platform requires somebody to be a 10 on it. You know how I feel? I feel like a two. I feel so inadequate. I feel so unprepared. I feel so unworthy of this platform. And I don't know about you and the situation you're facing, but I'm going to guess you probably feel like a two where a ten is required. Anybody ever felt like that? It's like life requires so much more than what I am. And here's what I'm asking you, and I believe God is asking you, is will you go in the strength you have with your two and believe God to be your eight? 
But TJ, like, okay, okay. I'll go. If God shows up with an eight first, I'll step in with my two and I'll complete it. But that's not how it works. God says, draw near to me. You take the first step. You, you bring your two. And I'll draw near to you. I'll bring your eight that you need to make the ten. And some of you have been waiting on God when God's been going, go in the strength you have. Because the strength that you have is the strength that you need. And whatever I call you to, I will see you through. And I believe that God is saying to you today, you're a mighty hero. And I know that you're in a setback right now, but I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up for the ultimate comeback, but what has to happen is we got to get some mindset changes here. We got to pull down some old things and we got to build up some new things. And I know that you don't feel qualified, but I don't call the qualified, I qualify the called. And I'm calling you to go in the strength you have today. Bring your two, and I'll show up and be your eight. And we'll watch our setbacks turn into setups that will eventually lead to our comeback. And here's what Gideon does. He takes that step, and in verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And I believe that as you start to step in those arenas, you start to step in those places that you've been afraid of and terrified of and unwilling to walk in, the, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. Yeah. And when God is on your side, can't nothing stand against you in life. And some of you, you've been trying to do it under your own strength, and God's saying, go in the strength you have and watch my strength come. So let's get to stepping today. Let's take the first step. Let's renew our mind. Let's change our mindset and start moving forward and watch God do the ultimate comeback in our life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that takes our setbacks and turns them into setups that eventually become our comebacks. And God, I believe that most people in here are one decision away, one act of obedience away from completely transforming their life here today. And God, you're challenging some people in here that have been living with some false mindsets to go, hey, it's time for me to tear those things down. It's time for me to start to pull down some of those things that have been lying to me all of my life. And it's time for me to start to believe and trust that God is calling me to be a mighty hero, a mighty warrior for him. He's calling me to take an act of obedience today. And maybe I don't know what area of life that is for you, but I would challenge you today that bring your two and allow God to be the eight to make you the ten that you need to be. Then for others of you, you're going, man, what you're talking about there, TJ, I, I, I don't really know that God that, that would be an eight for my life. In fact, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And there's a God that loves you so much. That cares about your situation. That, that sees you in the middle of your setback and he's saying, hey, I'm here. All you have to do is invite me into your life and into this place. And I want to come in there and I want to be the strength that you need. And maybe you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a living God who loves you so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice. So you could live an incredible, abundant life connected to the creator of the universe. 
And maybe today you say, TJ, I, I, I need that relationship in my life. I need to experience that kind of God. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made a decision for Christ, or maybe you did that a long time ago and you say, you know what, I need to come back to that. I need that in my life. If on the count